Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... The Apostle Paul says, remember, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. I am worried not about all the conditions that await me as I travel preaching the gospel, not about the fact that I might get arrested and get my head lopped off because I'm telling people that Jesus is Lord, which means that Caesar is not Lord, and that is a capital offense in the Roman Empire. I'm not worried about that. I'm not concerned about that. I am worried, I am concerned about the condition of our churches. Do you worry a lot? Most of us do, even though the scriptures tell us not to. But is there good worry? You might be surprised to learn that there is. Today, Pastor Jim will teach us about a good kind of worry. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 with part one of his message entitled, Good Worry for God's Church. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Besides the other things... What comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation? Have you noticed that a lot of people are worried? Some people, and this might be some of you here today, some people worry about everything. You don't need to raise your hand, but think about it. Do you worry about everything? And if you don't worry about everything, let me just ask you this question. What is it that worries you? Now, all you need to do is turn on the television and you will see, if you watch Dr. Oz or something like that, and you will see that worry is not good for you, is it? Worry is bad for your physical health. Worry is bad for your emotional well-being. For many people, worry is completely paralyzing. I mean, we don't even know what to do because we are worried all of the time. And I think that worry is particularly hard on a follower of Jesus. So if you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, you are welcome. I hope you become one so worry is particularly hard on you like it is on the rest of us. And you say, why in the world would you say is worry so hard on a follower of Jesus so particularly hard? Because we feel guilty when we worry, don't we? Why do we feel guilty when we worry as Christians? Because Jesus told us not to worry. If you don't believe me, let's hear from Jesus himself. Matthew 6, 25, 34. Therefore, Jesus says, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And we're all supposed to go, yes, Jesus. <laughs> like we're a fifth grader in, in, in Sunday school. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And we're supposed to go, yes, Jesus. (laughs) Which of you, now it gets personal, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Which of us by worrying, he's saying, any of you can worry so much that you'll make yourself taller? Another version says, probably a little bit more modern, which of you by worrying can add a single hour 
to your life. And we're supposed to go, none of us, Jesus. Verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. What does that mean? Well, he's speaking to Jewish people who would be believers in Yahweh. And he's saying, after all these other things, the people who are outside the realm of Jewish people, all the people that don't have a heavenly father like we do, he's saying, they worry about such stuff. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. And then he tells us something that we're going to come back to in a bit. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that doesn't mean we don't plan, but we're not obsessed with worry. So now that you're feeling sufficiently bad about yourself... Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul writes this from prison. Be anxious for nothing. (laughs) Translation, do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When we studied this a year or two ago, we, we said the Apostle Paul was encouraging us to Trade your worry for prayer. Those of you in the workplace, let me use a a word that we don't like to hear too much unless you own one of these kinds of companies who do this, then you love this word. Paul might be saying, outsource your worry to the Lord. Well, thank you, Pastor Jim. I was worried when I got here. And now in addition to being worried, I feel completely awful about myself because worry is my middle name. But the Apostle Paul wants to tell us this morning there's actually good worry. Don't you feel better now? (laughs) There's actually good worry. And today the title of our message is Good Worry for God's Church. Good Worry for God's Church. Now it's a play on words, so you're going to have to figure out what exactly that means as we go along. We have been calling our Sunday studies in 2 Corinthians passionate and personal. And I hope that you have been touched in some way by the heart of of the Apostle Paul. He uh, has been writing to the Corinthian church, the church that he founded, the church that's wandering, the church that has become very critical of him, and he's calling them back to following after the word of the Lord and after the Lord of the word. Interesting today, many people perceive the Apostle Paul as being rigid. They don't like to study the Apostle Paul. They think he's rigid. They say he's always telling us how to live our lives. We don't like that. So they call the apostle of grace legalistic. So he always doesn't you know, know what he's talking about. And it's funny because we consider him rigid and tough. And in the first century, they considered him weak. They said that his writings, oh, they were bold. And I made the case for bold preaching because the word of God is bold and God's preachers should be bold, not arrogant and obnoxious, but bold. But in person, they thought he was weak. In truth, I would say that he was biblically manly. How do we like that? Biblically manly. He was spiritually and mentally and physically tough. He lived for Christ. 
He loved to see the people of God grow, but there was a brokenheartedness about this man, as we're going to be talking about today. He was what we would call a churchman. He founded and planted a lot of churches. He loved the church. He loved the gathering of God's people. He was a man who had a heart for the Corinthian church, despite this was probably his problem child, his most problematic church that he had founded. And his heart that he has is the heart for the church that the Lord Jesus wants all of us to have for his church. Here in chapter 11, he is defending his apostleship not for himself. He's totally secure in his identity. He knows who he is, but some some false teachers, some false apostles have come into the Corinthian church, and for their benefit, he is defending his apostleship, and for the benefit of the word of God going throughout the Roman Empire, because if the false teaching takes over, it goes through a whole area, and every generation and every place where there's a great move of God, that stuff is going to happen. A lot of people now are saying, Why does the church seem so ineffective in America? We had a much larger influence in years gone by. And I will point the finger at myself and my own compadres and say, maybe we need to take a look at our pulpits. Maybe our pulpits are not reflecting the glory of God. Maybe our training is not teaching people the word of God. I said before many times that America in general, America's pulpits are much more liberal than America's pews. In other words, the people bringing the word of God in general are much more liberal and care less about the things of God than the people who come in there and come each week and listen to the things of God. So what happened with these false teachers, these false apostles? Well, they were tweaking the message. In some places, we see in Galatia, if you know the book of Galatians, they were adding to the message. It seems here in Corinth, what's going on, we'll talk about that later, they may have been shaving the message a little. They may have actually been saying, well, you know, don't worry about this, certain kinds of stuff. Another thing that they were doing is they were stealing the hearts of the people of God, telling them what they wanted to hear instead of what it is that God had for his people. Another thing that they were doing, is Romans fifteen twenty says, they were building on another man's foundation. They came in and they took the flock that the Apostle Paul had gathered and they said, come and follow after me. Very common in our country that that happens these days. The Apostle Paul is making the case and and people don't want to hear it, but this is the truth. And all you have to do is look at the Old Testament prophets. What happened to Isaiah? A man of great influence, several kings he had access to. Church tradition has that he was sawn in half. Other prophets were killed. Jesus himself was crucified on a cross. The apostles, as far as we know, all but the apostle John martyred because apparently when they boiled him in oil, he didn't cook very well. Serving the kingdom of God involves sacrifice. Serving the kingdom of God involves suffering. Will it be different for an American living in this day and age? I believe that it will. But don't think because you're suffering or because you have to sacrifice, it means that God is not with you. It actually may mean that he is with you in a very, very strong way. 
Acts chapter 14. Acts was really the history of the church. And it was interesting, we said in one of our studies in 2 Corinthians that the Apostle Paul doesn't talk much about his suffering. He's going to talk about it today. Doesn't talk much about his suffering, but Acts talks about his suffering a lot. Doesn't talk a lot about his miracles. We'll see that next week. Next week, we're going to talk about his visit to heaven, which he doesn't really talk about, but others have to hear it. In Acts 14, after him and Barnabas had preached in Derbe, it says this, chapter 14, 21 and 22, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, the very cities that they had just come from. One of them, he was stoned and dragged out of the city for dead. You think you wouldn't go back there? Yeah, like, oh, I don't feel led to go back there, but he's, oh, no, we're going back there. Verse, what were they doing? Verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples. Disciples are just the followers of Jesus, the learners. So if you are a follower and learner, you are a disciple, exhorting them, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, hey, don't worry, man, continue. Everything will be great. No, that's not what it says, is it? That's what we wanted to say, but that's not what it says. He says, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. 2 Timothy 3, 12, after talk, he's talking to Timothy, a young pastor, his protege, his disciple about ministry. He says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Persecution. Now, men, that is not if you came in this morning and the guys in the parking lot said, you know, uh, can you park around back and hoof it? <laughs> can you park around back and walk? Because we like to save the front parking lot for the guests, for the people who have some sort of a, you know, a thing that makes it harder for them to walk in, or the, the single moms coming in with little infants or something like that. And you're like, oh, I'm being persecuted against. No, that's not what that is. That is that we're all called in some way to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Many of you have heard me tell the story of when my little guy, who's now taller than me and away at college, he said to me when we first began the church, we parked in the far back corner, and he said, Dad, why do we park so far away? And I said, Son, so we as men remember that we're servants. And, you know, he never asked that question again, and now he drives to church too fast in the front lot, I've heard. <laughs> but where does he park? In the far back corner. Why, men? because we're servants. Notice here what he says in 2 Corinthians 11. Turn back a page to what he says about what ministry was like. Again, he's defending his apostleship now to the Corinthian church because of what the false apostles said. And I got to tell you, when you read this, there's a lot of sarcasm in it, not this part, but you can tell that he really hates having to do it. And sometimes people criticize people who serve the Lord, and sometimes because of the influence the critics have, you have to defend your ministry. But you can tell that he just doesn't like doing that at all. Verse 22, he says, chapter 11, verse 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. What is he saying? He's saying we're equals. Don't tell me that most of these people in Corinth are non-Jews. These guys have come in from the area of Jerusalem and probably coming in like, oh, we know the deeper things. And he's like, forget that stuff. I know all about that stuff. I'm their equal. That's not what it's about. And in verse 23, he gives us the job description of an apostle. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. What's he saying? I'm boasting. I'm going to boast to you now like the way they boast, but I'm going to tell you the way it is. 
I am more. In labor is more abundant. I have worked harder. In stripes or beatings above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. He received the Jewish punishment for what he was doing and preaching. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. He's traveling around. It wasn't like today. He's getting shipwrecked. He's, he had to go over rivers. There wasn't a lot of bridges, and he probably got overthrown, bitten by snakes. We know he's bitten by snakes, and there's other stuff we know about that's not even in this list. He's like, everywhere I went, it was hard. So a lot of times we want to serve the Lord and we expect it to be what? Easy. Some of the guys in the church signed up for the snow removal team. I thank you for you men, and I don't know if any ladies signed up this year yet, but I hope you're not praying there's no snow. (laughs) So It's okay if you do, as long as you're here when it does snow. Verse 27, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness. Does that sound like fun? Does that sound like good times? And then he says, look, verse 28, besides the other things. <laughs> so there's more. <laughs> he doesn't want to waste a lot of our ink and our reading time. Isn't it interesting how often we complain about the conditions we have of serving the Lord? And this is a guy who just says, nothing's going to stop me. I mean, I'm just going to keep going. He said to the Corinthians, the love of Christ compels me. He has the fire of the Spirit of God burning in him, and he keeps going and going even though he's hurt. He's emotionally hurt here. He's physically hurt. He's sick. He's drowning. All the stuff's going on. He says there's other stuff. He doesn't complain about that. And then he tells us one of the driving forces. This is one of the reasons why God has made this guy so tough He says, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, another version says, the daily pressure that is on me, I can't escape what is going on inside of me. All that stuff's going on outside of me, but inside of me, there is a war in my soul. And he says this, my deep concern, some versions say my deep anxiety for all the churches. So the Apostle Paul says, remember, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. I am worried not about all the conditions that await me as I travel preaching the gospel, not about the fact that I might get arrested and get my head lopped off because I'm telling people that Jesus is Lord, which means that Caesar is not Lord, and that is a capital offense in the Roman Empire. I'm not worried about that. I'm not concerned about that. I am worried, I am concerned about the condition of our churches. I am worried, I am concerned about the people in our churches. I am grieved, he's telling us. I feel God's pain, he's telling us, for the weakness of the people of God, for the weakness of our churches. Again, he told 2 Corinthians 5, he said, the love of Christ compels us. 
We know the power of the Holy Spirit fuels him. This is how a guy can say from prison, Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. If you met him, you said, well, tell me something about your life. What might he say? My, my joy is in God. My identity is in God. My hope for today and for tomorrow is in God. But my burden, the burden I carry, Jesus carried the burden of our sins. He says, the burden I carry is the burden for God's people and the burden for God's wayward church. This is the heart of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 9, 35 through 36 says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues. So what is he doing? He's moving amongst the professing God's people, the Jews, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. They had been overtaken by apostate Judaism, not the Judaism of the Old Testament. Jesus came into a time of great apostasy. They say, okay, well, that was the crowds. Well, in Matthew 20, there was two blind men on the road to Jericho, and they said, Lord, just touch our eyes. And we're told that he had compassion on them, and he healed them. Luke 7, the widow of Nain lost her only son, a text that I've preached at many funerals. And it says, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Now, this is a very important point for us to see, and actually for some of us, for some of the worry or concern, I, <laughs> I always laugh, I, I always like to go, well, I'm concerned, and inside the Holy Spirit's going, no, Jim, you're worried. <laughs> This might help some of us with our worry and our concern for the spiritual situation with our children, our spouse, our family members, our co-workers, our loved ones, maybe someone even who's sitting here today. We say that God is sovereign, that God is in control of this world, that God is in control of the universe, but we've often said that much of what happens in this world that God is in control of, God hates. So there are things that are going on that are wrong, but God yet is still somehow in control. His eternal purposes will all come to pass. And God's sovereignty, God's control over things of this world did not negate Jesus Christ's burden for people, did it? He knew God was in control, yet he looked at the people and he had compassion and nor did God's sovereign control of the world stop the Apostle Paul from having a burden for people, nor should it for you, nor should it for I. The Apostle Paul telling the Corinthian church here, my soul is under assault with anxiety as I get reports about how wayward some of our churches are. Remember, he's writing to the Corinthians. He has gotten some reports about the Corinthian church. Read First and Second Corinthians about how wayward they are. We'll come to how, what's going on there in a second. Now, are there things to be joyful about? Well, of course. 
Luke 15, Jesus said that heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. And when somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, we should rejoice. If you come to faith in Jesus Christ today, would you please tell us so we can rejoice with you? The Apostle Paul says worrying about them, worrying about the influences in their lives, caring for them is harder than everything else that happens in the ministry. It's more difficult than anything else watching people walk away, watching people start to follow after false teachers, watching people be sucked into all kinds of false theology. That's the hard part. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.